the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. As you know, I'm Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And I told you last week how I got that uh, specialization designation. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple master's degrees in law. One is a Master of the Law of Taxation Law, and the other is a Master of the Laws of Intellectual Property Laws. Both of those master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. Now, I've heard from young folks who also want to know, what is a master's degree of law? Well, after you get your JD, some people um, spend some time trying to figure out what kind of uh, area of the law they're interested in, and they might work five, ten years for a firm or strike out on their own, and then they discover that they have an interest in helping people with their taxes, that is to say to stand up against the Internal Revenue Service or the Franchise Tax Board or whatever local or state entity that the business might be in. And so a master's degree of law um, is an additional course of study at a university, a law school. It Usually you take 30 units, and so that's a little over an additional year of law school. And um, uh, that's what I did. I uh, I knew uh, because I actually went to law school after I had already been a business person and had been a trained as a system design engineer uh, by um, AT&T and a couple of entities of AT&T. I knew I was interested in taxation law, and I knew that I was interested in obtaining an intellectual property law uh, master's degree. So I went to law school an additional two, two and a half years to get these this additional training because it opens up new opportunities for me and my clients uh, for me to help them analyze more sophisticated, complex business uh, issues. And um, I really enjoy, enjoy both these areas of the law, although some people think taxation law is very b- boring, but quite frankly, it's in every aspect of any business that I've been involved with trying to help uh, as a lawyer. And uh, intellectual property law is basically helping um, businesses uh, protect their rights to their persons and to 
uh, creative um, developments that they create uh, that enhance their business viability. And as you know, right now we're going through a transition uh, all around the world, but especially here in the United States where, you know, things are happening with the Internet of Things, uh, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, um, there's going to be cars, driverless cars. Um, in fact, I use a couple of software systems that are based on uh, artificial intelligence to help me find case law, to help me try to vindicate my clients' rights. And so I think anybody contemplating going into the law, and I know young folks listen to me and listen to this show, you need to understand how you're going to be taxed and how your clients are going to be taxed and what it is, you know, that you should tell them to deal with and what you should tell them to try to fight against. And if you're going to be in business um, developing applications, implementing applications, want to be a coder, want to be somebody out there who's going to have a job, you need to know about intellectual properties and you need to have a good scientific foundation in your education system. So that's why I did what I did. And uh, Golden Gate University is a great school. I'm, I'm not just bragging on it because um, that's where my degrees came from. But they are looking at something called big data. And that's where, you know, we have little lots of discrete bits of information. But how does a business turn those, inf- inf- those finite bits of data into something that can help that business grow and prosper? Uh, so, um, and also... You know, I, I know about copyrights, I know about patents, I know about trademarks, and that's all very important in branding today. So, again, I can't highly, I can't too highly recommend getting a technical foundation, uh, a degree in STEM as an undergraduate, and then getting an advanced degree in some kind of technical field, or if you're going to be a lawyer, any more lawyers are going to have to be technically based. So, that's my my pitch for today. And because of my training, my experience, my interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy law because as I've shared with you all in the last few weeks, everybody that goes into business is going to run into hurdles, roadblocks. They're going to run into those bumps that are in the middle of the street that's going to slightly knock them off course or actually knock them off course. And so Always in the back of your mind is, am I going to have to file for bankruptcy? I shouldn't be afraid of it. It is a business decision that business make. And I don't have to tell you that an individual um, who runs this country, more or less, (laughs) has filed for bankruptcy several times. And that person does not feel guilty about doing it, and nor should you if you have to. I also do debt wealth management states and trusts, real estate law, and, of course, taxation law. And the thing I'm most proud of is being able to help our seniors uh, because all of us are going to be a senior sooner rather than later, but to help them uh, fight and vindicate for their rights, especially when somebody, is, and unfortunately sometimes it's members of their own family who try to take advantage of them financially. So as always, I'm pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studio in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. However, once again, I must ask you to please take note that this show does not provide legal advice, 
nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored towards your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provides you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help because you don't want to be the only one at the gunfight in the courtroom. And I'm saying that figuratively that, you know, you have a butter knife in all your adversaries and uh, the person that's sitting up high on the bench, they all have, you know, the appropriate weapons to deal with. And so that's why I tell you, if you have financial issues, if you have legal issues, especially if they're combined, you really should seek out and find qualified professional help to help you, unless you be the only one with a butter knife. So, again, this show is about providing information to individuals, families, and small businesses who have issues and really want to try to protect their financial health, wealth, and their money-related well-being. With that said, we're going to continue our discussion of entrepreneurship by looking at the flip side and continue our discussion of the difference between the kinds of bankruptcies that most small business owners will have to confront. That is to say, a small business Chapter 13 bankruptcy and or an individual slash small business bankruptcy under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code. And so I, I've, the last couple of weeks I've shared with you the differences between the two kinds of bankruptcies are started a discussion, the sharing with you the difference between a chapter 13 and a chapter 11, how you initiate the case. Uh, the di- one of the major differences is that only a human being, someone who breathes air and bleeds blood can be in a chapter 13. And uh, there's debt limits and the individual has to be the one that initiates the case. And he also or she also can ask the court uh, to uh, dismiss the case without necessarily having to get the court's permission. There, some courts just let you file notice and you can dismiss your case because you filed a 13 and you really de- determine that you really don't need to be in a 13 or you really don't want to be. You can either file a notice in some jurisdictions that you're dismissing a case or you and d- dismiss it right away and other times you have to file uh, a notice and there is some kind of uh, notice period for people to weigh in and you can get your uh, dismissal absent someone finding that you acted in bad faith now with a chapter 11 you can be in an individual or corporation or an LLC or other kinds of entities and um, but if you want to dismiss your case you'd need court's permission and I discussed some of the administrative requirements. Uh, one of them is the filing fee in a 13 is 310. The filing fee in an 11 is $1,700. 17, no, $1,717 right now. Um, and then the trustee fees. You pay a commission to a Chapter 13 trustee. The Office of the U.S. Trustee gets paid um, quarterly based on the income and expenses that the debtor um, reports in monthly operating reports. Hiring an attorney and paying attorney's fees. In a Chapter 13, you hire your individual attorney and you don't need pre-approval of the court per se. 
and there's something called no-look fees in Chapter 13. In Chapter 11, everybody has to be appointed by the court, even your own lawyer, and your lawyer actually represents the estate, not you, if there's a conflict, and you need to keep that in mind. There is a co-debtor stay in a 13. That's where uh, the partner of uh, the debtor doesn't file. Uh, There is no such thing in a Chapter 11. And there's oversight in both cases. It's directly uh, by the Office of U.S. Trustee in Chapter 11, and it's indirectly through a standing Chapter 13 trustee. So when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion and talk about claims. But let's take a break right now. We'll be right back. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion on what is the difference between the two major kinds of bankruptcies that um, small business find themselves in if they want to attempt to reorganize. Now, sometimes um, small businesses want to liquidate it. They just want to get out of the business. They just want to shut it down. They turn things over to a Chapter 7 trustee who liquidates um, the assets of the estate, and uh, the small business person moves on. But in those instances where you want to attempt a reorganization in your small business, you're looking at Chapter 13 small business for an individual or Chapter 11, which is for an individual, or an entity, which is a corporation or uh, the the kind of uh, pass-through entities that we've discussed on this show before. So next up, we're going to talk about claims, claims in bankruptcy and and how they are treated differently in a 13 versus a Chapter 11. First off, what is a claim? A claim is where your creditor claims that you owe them something. So claims are are um, inanimate objects, usually money or property that you owe a creditor, and they're likely the reason why you're in bankruptcy. You couldn't pay your um, tax bill. Uh, You couldn't make your mortgage payment. You had unsecured creditors suing you, and they've gotten judgments, and they're going in and invading your uh, bank account and, and taking money out, or they're going to your employer and they're uh, making uh, your employer turn over a portion of your wages. So these are creditors uh, when when, uh, when you look at them in the abstract, but what they have are claims, and claims are what are dealt with in bankruptcy cases. Claims are either allowed or they're disallowed. They're allowed if they're valid, uh, some claims are paid in full, other claims because there's not enough assets to pay them off in bankruptcy. They get pennies on the dollar, and some claims don't get paid at all. So what what are you supposed to do with your claims when you file a Chapter 13? They perform a placeholder fu- function. Someone filed for bankruptcy. She owes XYZ Bank um $500,000 on her first mortgage. XYZ Bank files a claim. Well, we, But that takes a while for the bank to file a claim. Selwyn has a duty to report all of her debt in her bankruptcy schedules. So in a Chapter 13, 
they perform a placeholder function. Someone says that she owes XYZ Bank a secured uh, debt, uh, their claim of $500,000. Now, when XYZ Bank actually receives notice of the bankruptcy, they will file a claim if they're smart because the law has changed and you have to file a claim if you want to participate in any kind of payment in a bankruptcy. They might say that someone, instead of $500,000, they will have the finite number. It might be that someone owes $550,000.78. So it acts as a placeholder function. So someone would do her level best to identify her creditors and the amount that's owed, but it's a placeholder function. Planned payments, however, are based on actual claims. So XYZ Bank will file its claim, and the Chapter 13 trustee will pay probably, for example, the arrearage amount. That is the amount that someone got behind through the bankruptcy, and someone will have to recommence making her regular mortgage payment um, within 30 days of filing her bankruptcy case. Um, and there is a bar date in um, Chapter 13, and it's strictly construed. That means that if the um, federal rules of bankruptcy procedures say the bar date is 70 days after the case was filed, it's 70 days after the case is filed. And um, that's what means strictly con- construed. And at Chapter 11, the scheduling of a creditor on Schedule D, which where you schedule secured claims, Schedule E, where you schedule priority claims such as taxes or alimony payments, or Schedule F, where you file general unsecured claim, they act as the equivalent of a creditor's proof of claim. So not all the creditors have to file claims in Chapter 11. It's your duty to do it unless you put that it's unliquidated or you dispute it. And if you do that, then the creditor must file a claim. If Again, if you file a non-contingent, undisputed, liquidated, uh, the claim is deemed allowed in the amount that the debtor schedules. Late file claims may be allowed in Chapter 11 if the creditor can show inadvertence, mistake, carelessness, or something that's known technically as excusable neglect or intervening circumstances. So that's the difference between Chapter 11 and Chapter 13. And in fact, you know, I have a a matter that's being uh, litigated uh, over um, whether or not the bar date can be strictly construed. And so I find this a very fascinating area of the law. But then again, I like taxes. Um, then the next thing you have to think about is the plan. In a Chapter 13, a plan must be filed within 14 days of filing your case. Generally, I like to file the plan along with the case because I like to get the information from my clients so I can um, better help them stay in the case If you know, because that's the goal, to get a good result. And then the first thing you want to do is not get your case bumped out because you giving uh, incomplete information. In a Chapter 13, again, only the debtor can file a plan. And most jurisdictions anymore, there is a model plan that's used in the jurisdiction. And in a Chapter 13, the cases can run no more than 60 months initially, but there are instances where a debtor can stay in a few extra months uh, if that's what's needed to make the plan work out and it's the best interest of everyone. Now, in a Chapter 11, there's no deadline for filing a plan. However, the court and the other interested parties may push the debtor to file a plan if the case appears to be languishing. That is where, you know, sometimes debtors get into Chapter 11s and then they kind of like it there because it stops their creditors from being able to take any adverse action against them. 
against them without court approval. So they just kind of want to languish there in the warm bath and the warm, fuzzy protection of the bankruptcy court. But now nah, you can't stay there forever because either the office of the U.S. trustee or your creditor who you haven't paid is going to ask the court to move the case along. And sometimes the court of his own right will say this case has been hanging around here uh, so long, kind of like cases start being like old fish and start smelling and um, nobody wants to be around old fish. Okay, and if and there's also ways to make things move forward. If the debtor doesn't file, there are time limits for them to be able to be the only one that will file, file a plan. Unlike a 13 where only the debtor can file, in some instances, other parties in the bankruptcy can file, and sometimes there's complete, competing plans going on. So when the exclusivity period runs out, the debtor can ask the court to extend the exclusivity period, and the court might or might not, depending on how diligent the debtor and his or her attorney are behaving. Uh, So unlike a Chapter 13, there's also a disclosure statement uh, requirement that adequate information be uh, put forth for all of the creditor community for them to vote on the plan. That's the difference between an 11 and a 13. The creditors actually vote on the plan. Uh, And um, there has to be a certain number and kind of uh, class of debtors that, uh, of creditors that approve the plan in order for the plan to be approved. Now, there's no maximum time frame for a Chapter 11 to be uh, um, fully executed except that priority claims such as taxes must be paid in full within 60 months of filing the case. And I've seen debtors get into trouble uh, because they, you know, they, they languish and then they put forth a plan and there might only be 36 months left to pay a huge tax bill. And it sometimes becomes impossible to do so over the limited amount of time. So those are the parameters. What does someone want from uh, bankruptcy. They want a discharge. The goal of bankruptcy is to pay what you can to your creditors. And if you're a human being, you want a discharge of the rest. So the debtor gets a, a discharge if he completes her plan and completes a financial management course. And the debtor can also get a hardship discharge, that is to say, um, where there's some kind of unforeseen incident, incident that came forth before the plan was completed, and the debtor can ask the court to give them a hardship discharge, but they, it basically reverts back to the kind of discharge that they would get in a Chapter 7. In a Chapter 11, individuals can get a discharge if they also complete a financial management course. They can also uh, ask the court for a hardship discharge, but the difference is that if you're a corporation, you don't get a discharge because, remember, corporations are false um, they're created, they're uh, fictitious uh, individuals, and they don't need a fresh start. Generally, if, you, if the business is going to go on, it'll go on. If the business is not going to go on, you uh, make application to the state entity to dissolve the business. Okay? So I, you know, I thought I would finish up today, but I think when I come back next time, I'm going to give you some fact patterns Uh, to try to help you understand the different kinds of entities that might be looking at the different kinds of of bankruptcies. You know, what is a typical Chapter 13 small business individual who wants to reorganize? What are, you know, an example might be a failed retail 
business uh, that um, wants to try one more time to stay in business. And, you know, so I'll go into that and I'll compare that to a Chapter 11 reorganization. That is a maybe a, a subchapter S corporation that wants to reorganize. And then, I, as I told you before, sometimes in Chapter 11s, you want to liquidate as a going concern uh, value. So I'll, I'll uh, sketch out um, a fact pattern just to give you some idea of, you know, this might be you. So with that, we're going to leave it there for now. But as always, in leaving, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to try to stay on the right side of the law. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.